you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Foss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate having you on the show. Uh, listen, we've got uh, an amazing gentleman on the show who's joining us today who's going to educate you about some of the cool things in the world and talk to you about entrepreneurism, how he built his company and uh, everything else that went into it and uh, how maybe you can uh, you know, have some advice on how you can build your own and uh, what it's like to run a company and some of the details that go into managing a leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Before we get into that, we need to guilt and shame you with the usual, hey, have you referred the show to your family, friends, and relatives? If not, now's a good time because if you do it now, you'll get two toasters for the price of one. Sounds like an infomercial, doesn't it? Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and uh, Chris Foss one on the tickety-tockety. Uh, today we're going to be talking with a gentleman who's a, a co-founder and helped build an amazing company. And we're going to get some insights into his company, what he does, how he built it, and uh, what he built. So there you go. Uh, we're going to be talking with Theron Whitney of the uh, company called ZBO. ZBO? Zibio, yeah. Zibio, there we go. Uh, he's the VP and co-owner over there. And we're going to be talking about his uh, company and everything that goes into it. Welcome to the show, Theron. How are you? Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm doing, doing good. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, give us your uh, .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, Zibio.com, so X-I-B-E-O.com. There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview of uh, the company and what it does. Sure. So Zibio started in 2001, November of 2001, and we specialize in trade show exhibits, uh, event exhibits, uh, after COVID, though, we've kind of broadened our horizons so that we can be more resilient. And so we're doing uh, commercial installs, uh, retail fixtures. Uh, we're even doing home renovations. Uh, so because we have a shop, a cabinet shop, and guys experienced in cabinet building, we kind of cover a huge, uh, huge array of, of areas for production. There you go. There you go. So uh, I'm looking over your website. Tons of these... Uh uh, big displays that when I go to the events, you see the double deck boost, the custom build boost, the corporate environments, the portable boost, video marketing and outdoor rentals and events, all these different uh, things uh, in award-winning custom booth design. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So anything 3D marketing, we that's what we do. There you go. Well, there's a lot of that still going on, especially after COVID. We were talking pre-show about how COVID kind of shut down events there for a few years. So it's probably good to be back on track. Um, oh, yeah. Give us a bit of a, a bio on you. What was your sort of upbringing and what led you to down the road to where uh, you were a co-founder of this company? Well, it's, uh, it's a weird story, really. Uh, my background is in sales, retail sales. So I, I started off with electronic sales way back in the day in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, got a little burned out of that. And I had a friend who turned me on to this uh, exhibit company that uh, – was in Ventura, uh, in Ventura, California, 
Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, these guys are hiring. Why don't you go check them out? So I thought, okay, sure. And uh, sure enough, when I had the interview, I thought this industry is so amazing. It's, it involves creativity. You're dealing with face-to-face -face with other businesses. Um, and you just kind of, you, you are your own boss. At the time, I was an independent contractor. So I was kind mm -hmm. of freelance, uh, commission only. And so I just kind of took to it and really enjoyed the create, creative aspect of the job and then also the potential earning potential was unlimited uh exhibits uh back then were very expensive so uh <laughs> a decent living at it uh now not so much prices have come down quite oh, a bit really? oh yeah yeah what um, about those big giant things that i see like samsung building you know? yeah those are always going to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah can't get away from that yeah um but so I uh, kind of took to it, and then over time, I really got to enjoy the industry. And uh, after about seven years of helping other companies make money for themselves, um, my partner and I decided to do our own thing. And it just so happened it was right after 9-11, and uh, the industry trade shows were kind of shut down because no one was flying September, October mm. of, of that year. And those, that's kind of like the big season for, for winter trade shows, fall trade shows. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. So we decided that, well, if we're not going to get paid, we might as well work for ourselves and not get paid. And uh, so began our entrepreneurship. And we, because we've been in the industry already, uh, we had a lot of clients that just kind of followed us. And when they found we were doing our own thing, we would get phone calls and referrals. And uh, we had a, a pretty decent following of clients already. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just every year, we just had about a, a 10 to 15% growth year, year after year. And now here we are 23 years later, just about, mm -hmm. and uh, managed to survive the Great Recession um, pandemic. <laughs> Started off right after 9-11. So we, uh, we kind of the, the little company that could, I guess you could say. There you go. Well, that's awesome, man. And surviving, you know, COVID, especially when you run on events, we ran on events too, uh, where we went out and did a lot of interviews of CEOs and people at shows and, uh, yeah, just, and then, you know, the promotional aspect of it, we put the videos on YouTube and then they would be on the podcast and yeah, just watching all the money just disappear, um, was just, you know, overnight was just extraordinary. You know, we do a lot of review products. So, you know, a lot of our companies that we work with to review products uh you know they were less like i don't know what's going on we're just gonna kind of kick back a lot of the pr agencies seem to get wiped out that we're handling a lot of companies in fact i think they, they've never recovered i don't think i i used to get thousands of emails uh before shows yeah. and now i get like i don't know a small handful of the survivors but uh it's been really interesting so tell us about some of the different booths and and uh, services you guys provide there sure. with uh, your, your how you do the exhibits. Well, one of our, our biggest claims to fame when we started, uh, we did custom rentals. And at the time that we started doing that, that wasn't really a thing in our industry. You could rent a booth. It was kit A, B, or C, oh. usually, usually from the show. Uh, there would be a couple companies that would offer a portable display for rent, or if you wanted a, a modular custom thing, they would have a uh, an extruded aluminum frame system. Uh, if you've ever been to a show, I'm sure you may have seen these yeah, they yeah. Look like a Tinker Toy set. Yeah. Um, so we, we decided that 
we wanted to separate ourselves from a lot of our competition. And so we had a lot of modular panel systems. Um, and in our, in our industry, it's called tension fabric, where you have these walls that are made of pulled fabric that goes over a frame and you don't see the frame. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of that at first. And then we kind of grew our inventory of portable modular counters, walls, custom ceilings, signs, hanging signs. And so here we are, you know, a couple decades later, and we have a 3,500 square foot warehouse full of all these different components that we can pull from like a, a Lego set and we can custom design and build to whatever client specs are. And the advantage is, is that uh, custom rentals are about a third of the cost of purchasing. So mm -hmm. for customers that want to save money, uh, they don't really want to make a big investment. They just rent from us for their big show that happens once a year. There you go. That's pretty easy. Uh, that's pretty easy because, uh, you know, paying out the big expense is more expensive. And so having a modular sort of system makes it work. Uh, yeah. What's it like being an entrepreneur and, and, and what was the transition like for you to go from, you know, working for other people to building this company? Well, I had the advantage of starting in this industry, uh, kind of being my own boss, you know, as a 1099, I had to work basically for myself. I was freelance. So I kind of developed uh, a work ethic to, you know, always be at work, always working the phones, always taking care of my clients. Um, and then over time, once we started to uh, build up the company, there was a lot that I had to learn. Um, just trial and error, uh, mm -hmm. especially like hiring. <laughs> they don't really teach you uh, how to hire people in college. And uh, that was an experience of just kind of testing, seeing what works, uh, interview methods, uh, being able to read people. And in sales, I, I, I'm I need to be able to read people. But when you're hiring, you really have to be able to, to kind of weed out the, the people who aren't really quite telling you the truth uh, to the ones who may have potential they just don't know yet <laughs> yeah the importance of hiring is so is so uh is so important uh, to be redundant uh it's it that i found that out the hard way in our company too you know we'd hire people and give them one interview and we're like hey you seem like you're great i'm sure everything on your resume is awesome we don't even need to check those references that uh, of your family and your mom you gave uh, right. i'm sure your mom thinks you're great and, uh, you know, then you hire them and then, you know, you get in, you find out there the employees, Satan from hell, right. uh, you know, they're stealing all your goods and, uh, you know, lighting the place on fire. And you're like, uh, this isn't the person we thought he, we, he thought he was it sounds like, it sounds like all my relationships. Um, but, uh, uh, the, uh, it's kind of like dating. Uh, yeah. but, but, uh, but, uh, so what we found is by establishing really solid rules and guidelines, for ourselves on the interviewing process and putting people through three or four different interviews through different people and, you know, just really spending the time to hire at first and also calling references like that aren't from your mom right. and, uh, you know, actually reading the resume and finding out what people are telling. That made like all the difference. We, we went from having employees from hell to having really great employees. Yeah, that's uh, we we did the same. Like I said, it took a few years to figure that out, but 
you know, we couldn't uh, be a charity case and help somebody out who really needs that job. We, you know, we had to be really particular about who we were bringing on. But we got it figured out, and we've got a great team now. We had to rehire after COVID because we had to, you know, shut. We were shut down for eighteen months basically, so we had yeah. to basically restart from scratch and rehire all new, all new crew. Oh, really? Yeah, we had two guys actually that we tried to find jobs during COVID, just odd jobs to keep mm -hmm. them employed and so they wouldn't leave town or, or you know, get a really uh, solid job somewhere else. We just kind of kept them with part-time work until we were able to open up again. And we were able to keep our two best guys that work in our shop who have the most experience. And then we just kind of hired around them. And now we've actually got a better crew than I think we've ever had. There you go. Um, you know, uh, what was it like going through COVID? Because there, there are times when um, uh, entrepreneurs go through these things where you have a business model and everything's working, everything's jammed along. You're like, hey, we got this thing. You know, we finally got it dialed in, right? Right. And then you, and sometimes markets change. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, or a competitor comes into the market. Uh, sometimes, you know, what, what customers want change. And sometimes you can you can hit that point where you've got a full wind in your sails, and then one day you're like, "Hey, where'd the wind go? Eh? Is that right. coming back tomorrow? Because it was here yesterday." But uh, what do we do now? So how how do you how did you survive that? What what was your process of of getting through that and trying to get to the next? You know, trying to get those winds going back through the sails. Uh, a lot of creativity. So we we had to do this once before with. Um, the uh, uh i was gonna say depression the uh, <laughs> it was a little bit of a it was very depressing little uh, depressing uh, and recessing yeah. yeah um so we kind of had an emergency plan where you okay all right so you gotta check watch your overhead and 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 see what other alternatives are out there that you can do but with COVID shutting us down completely. That was the first time that our actual industry was shut down. Like you cannot do the thing that you've been doing for so many years uh, that you've been trained for. So um, I actually had to kind of look at what was needed. And, and uh, there was a, it was really a shotgun of here, let's just try come with some of this, some of that, what's going to stick. So we were building out, um, uh, sneeze guards, custom sneeze guards for local companies, uh, hospitals, um, uh, meat markets, uh, oh, ladies doing uh, nails, manicurists. So we kind of did a lot of stuff around locally. And then we tried to work on making clean rooms for COVID patients that would be portable and, and outdoors. Uh, came up with a, a great solution for that, but it, it, uh, <laughs> the uh, the hospitals ended up doing something that we weren't planning on, and and so and that happens in in business where it's something that you're really trying to work on, it doesn't work out. We'll call it a failure. We'll just call it, you know, it, plans changed, and so immediately from that, rather than get frustrated, I looked at what's out, what else is out there that people need, and I was seeing that in our industry, uh, they were trying to do these virtual trade shows, and. Ironically, we tried that when we first started in 2001. So our company model, business model, was originally designed to do virtual trade shows and virtual trade show exhibits. And we had already tested the market and knew what customers liked or didn't like about that. And we already knew that it wasn't something that was going to work out well. 
But what we did know is that people still want to see the product, they want to learn about it. And back then, social media wasn't a big deal as it is now. So I, I connected with some guys that were out of business or out of work uh, in Hollywood and they had their own equipment and we put together video marketing that could be live streamed. Mm -hmm. And uh, people, uh, we actually had a couple of companies. One was doing uh, explainer videos, kind of showing the product in front of their trade show booth and going through step by step. This is how you use our product and this is where you can get it. And then we had another one that we did an actual 30 minute infomercial basically in our showroom with cars coming in and doing um, detailed video shots, uh, B-rolls. Um, we had uh, three different locations that we had drones flying overhead with uh, someone speaking over and music and it was just kind of a, a real production. And that was actually fun for me because it gave me an opportunity to learn about how we can expand what we do for trade shows and do it in a completely different direction. Um, so finding alternatives in your industry, kind of a, uh, going lateral versus vertical. There you go. And, and that's, and that's just, sometimes it's just, you've got to try and get through it and, and figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and then switching to the virtual side is a whole lot harder because you guys sell hardware, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, people still need to transact business. People still need to do, I suppose there was outdoor markets. Maybe you could target or, you know, I know a lot of the New York vendors, they, they took and set up outdoor stands so they could <laughs> serve people and stuff. Yeah. You couldn't go into the thing. It was, it was such a crazy time. Um, but you guys got through it. Now you're on the back end of it. Were you able to rehire all your employees? Um, just the two that we I mentioned that earlier that we had in the shop. Everyone else was new, and and it really gave us an opportunity to do. As I was talking about interviews, it gave me a chance to do the interviews right and really pick and choose who we wanted. And we were able to restaff uh, within the first few months, which was phenomenal for us. And because we had our shop already ready to go we were able to hit the ground running when trade shows came back, when other companies were still scrambling, trying to find staff. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a testament to running a good business and stuff. What are some of the other things that uh, you've done that you think have uh, helped you innovate and, and build a great business? Um, the, the one thing that I could say to any entrepreneur starting out is developing uh, customer loyalty and ah, yeah. the, the trick to that, not really trick, but the, the aspects of, of that I learned in retail and, and taking that idea in retail and expanding it to business to business, basically, and let me back up a second. How do you develop uh, company loyalty with your clients? Because sometimes clients can be very fickle and they want the best price possible. And if you don't give them that lowest price, they'll go somewhere else. Yeah. But we're, we're never really the, the cheapest out there, but we are the hardest working in making sure that the client is a success at their show. And I've always gone with the philosophy that if the client's asking you for something and that you don't provide, you can find out what it is, and that way you're always their go-to. Mm -hmm. So I have clients that would come to me and say, hey, can you do a, a photo booth? Like, well, it's not something I normally do. And I would look it up and say, oh, yeah, I can build something like that. Sure. And then <laughs> come back to them and say, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's how we got into um, 
remodeling retail stores and, and oh. store fixtures. So someone said, well, I have this little kiosk I need in a store. Can you do mm -hmm. that? Sure, we can do that. And then from there, they got a referral to someone else. And then pretty soon we're, we're doing restaurant build outs. Um, so, it, you know, if you take care of the client's needs and you are always reliable to them, even if you can't provide that thing and you are upfront with them and say, you know what, I can't do that, but I know this other company that can, let me hook you up with them. Your customer is always appreciative of that and they will come back to you time and time again, as long as you know, you've taken care of them with everything else they need. Um, there you go. You know, prime example, I had a client who we had a shipping fiasco, UPS lost a package and I kind of had to, wasn't on us, wasn't on the client, nobody would take fault, but we stepped up, paid uh, an extra amount to get a new graphic done for them, oh, a wow. new bits of hardware, get it to their show so that they had something for their show. Mm -hmm. You know, it cost us maybe a grand, but that client was so appreciative and so thankful that you know they've come back multiple times and they've said well can you help me with this can you help me with that and we have a client for life there you go and and, and sometimes that makes all the difference and 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 some people look at it when they when those happen they go oh god what a mess this is going to make is it you know we're going to spend all this extra money is it worth right. it but having that client for life makes all the difference you know, I, I remember in my business, uh, in the mortgage business, sometimes we would have a, um, the loan officer didn't listen to the instructions they were given to ask the client what they wanted. The client would say, you know, hey, I want a 15-year mortgage when they would be taking the application. And because, you know, a lot of people do 30s, you know, the loan officer would just default into what everyone else got. Right. And uh, sometimes they'd be like, hey, I want to pay off this credit card or pay off these things. And and for some reason, the loan officers face it. Usually, it was you know the newer and experienced guys, um, and it would happen from time to time. And you know they would get to closing and find out that everything was a muck and, and a mess. And uh, so they would call me, and you know, and they'd be very upset, rightly so. Uh, and then I I would have to be like, okay, well, how do we fix this for you? How do we make this work? Um, we we take this back in. We'll get it done. We'll do it for free. We'll refund cost sometimes it would cost me several thousands of dollars i just say i just say hey, look we're going to refund all the cost for this we're going to do it for free and we'll fix it and you know they'd be calling me every name in the book and i'd just be like look we're going to fix this for you um we'll get it done but they still be angry you know and rightly so yeah. and i just kind of take it but i'd just be like yeah i'm probably never gonna see that business again but you know we're gonna we're gonna bite it because this guy you know our loan officer fucked it up so right. you know he doesn't get his commission either and uh uh, so we just eat it. And uh, sometimes it was, you know, everything we give, we just lose money on the whole deal. And I just feel like, okay, well, you know, make them happy. Um, let's just move on. And, you know, we, we, we're doing hundreds of loans. So, you know, if you do one a bad one every quarter or every six months, you know, and what was funny was nine times out of 10, all those people that were calling me names, saying all this hateful stuff to me about how we screwed up, which we did. And they would be back in a year or two or three years to do their mortgage again. Yeah. And they would always come in to me. It was funny as hell. They would always come in. They'd be like, hey, man, you remember, I remember how great you were, Chris. You were so awesome, man. You took care of us. They didn't bring about any of the hateful stuff. They said. Right. <laughs> they were like, we just remember we had such a, they, they remembered it as a really good experience. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'd be sitting there because I kind of, back in the day, I used to hold a lot of grudges. And I'd just be sitting there and going, 
I don't know. I'm going to do business with you about again because <laughs> you said a lot of shit to me, and I remember it. You know, and uh, but they uh, there were some of them that came back for years. They were multi-family investors sometimes, so they were doing all their rental properties through us and stuff. And they would always come back and just brag about how much they love me, and I'd just be like, I still remember all this. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that was the beauty of it. And we made, you know, sometimes 10 times whatever it was that we lost on that initial deal that got it got mugged up. Yeah. And so that's the power of customer service and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we go out, give us your final thoughts. Uh, pitch us one more time on your company, what you guys have to offer people in the space. This goes, goes on LinkedIn where LinkedIn, you know, other people are doing a lot of business. Uh, give us all that details as we go out. Sure. So we, uh, we make trade shows as easy as possible kind of a one-stop shop so no matter what a customer needs um, mm -hmm. we will be able to take care of it and on top of that not only will we design an exhibit we could rent the exhibit to them help them with graphics graphic design we also help coordinate shipping the labor at shows um, fill out forms so essentially all a customer has to do is say i need a booth i need to go to this show on this day and we'll take care of it from there and they just show up at the show there you go there you go well that's the best way to do it thank you very much Theron, for coming on give us your dot coms one more time as we go out sure that's zibio.com x-i-b-e-o.com there you go and thanks Monix, for tuning in go to goodreads.com for chess chris foss linkedin.com for chess chris foss youtube.com for chess chris foss and chris foss one on tiktok thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time probably should have gave a plug out of the